Hello and welcome to Startline Stories, um, brought to you by the team from Speed on Screen. Um, this is the second topic. We covered sprinting in the first one, and today we're going to cover auto solo with our guest Hayden Marks and driving as an under 17 year old. Um, it's always great um, for those who are watching live on YouTube. Um, if you'd like to engage with us, please use the comments field. Um, we'll keep an eye on those comments and bring those comments and questions indeed in um, during, this, during the course of the session. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, then that won't be possible, but you can contact us using the email speedonscreen at gmail.com. And please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share details of these events um, with your friends who might be interested. It'd be fantastic to have you aboard. So turning first of all to auto solo, I'll introduce Hayden very shortly, um, but just to give a fundamental outline of what an auto solo is, um, sometimes people refer to it as a, as a car park Grand Prix. Um, it's, however, at slower speeds than a Grand Prix, markedly so. And the course is marked out by cones and there are various things to help you find the correct way around the course. Um, and I'll ask Hayden to explain those in a bit. Um, over the course of a day, there will be multiple different tests and you'll have multiple goes at them, which means you can afford to make a mistake along the way. Um, and then dropping some scores, um, you'll take your best total times and that will determine the results for the overall event and with classes. Um, there are various sorts of places these can these can take place. Large car parks, airfields, cart tracks, which we'll come to later. Um, if you were here for the sprinting podcast, think of it as a bit like sprinting, but quite a lot slower. Um, so the sort of skills that you need to take part are being very precise, good car control, good consistency, planning your route and trying to remember it. Um, and the absolutely fantastic news is that basically any road going car is suitable um, and we'll ask Hayden for, in a bit for both cars that he's driven and cars that he's seen on events so that's a very basic introduction um, if you've got any comments if you've got any questions please contribute them during the session um, now Hayden is a very experienced auto solo driver um, so fantastic uh, to welcome him aboard and hopefully his picture will pop up very soon. Good evening, Hayden. Hello, how are you doing? Very well, thank you, and welcome. So, yeah, in your case, you're you're both a you're both a competitor and an organizer, aren't you? So we'll 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 get into some of the details in a bit. Um, I've painted a very broad outline, simply in words, of what an auto solo is like. Um, I remember going to watch one. Uh, before before I ever did one, I watched one of the ones in one of the big Silverstone car parks. Um, and I thought what it might be useful to do is, with all your experience, starting as a competitor, would you like to walk us through the typical day of an auto solo and try and bring it to life and paint that picture of what it would be like for a newcomer? Because these are absolutely, I mean, first and fundamentally, actually, isn't it? These events, you must have seen many newcomers get started. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, I've been doing them probably now pushing 20 years, I think, since I did the first one. Um, always retained a fairly similar format in that time. Um, typical day, you can arrive 
fairly early in the morning um unload your car make sure it's uh it's all good to go you'll, you'll go to scrutineering where they'll check your vehicle uh make sure it's safe basic, yep. basic checks on it make sure your tires are all okay and legal yes um, just hopping back a sec what sort of things have you brought with you i do the others i i know people bring differing amounts of kit well what typically would you bring to an auto service? yeah um when i first started it was a, a very basic toolkit um you know just your, your screwdriver spanners socket set um a couple of sort of very basic spares like oil and water stuff like that um as i sort of progressed then i, I generally have a, a spare set of uh, wheels and tires as well um just in case i get to the end of the day and i've, I've ruined some and i need something to drive home on again um also progressed into a, a one of those little sort of one-man pop-up tents always found those quite handy uh for keeping the stuff in so if the weather just decided to turn a bit nasty at least you can keep your stuff dry through the day um and typically a packed lunch as well it's always <laughs> it's always a good thing to have you lunch or do you know there's going to be a burger van there <laughs> yeah absolutely you see most events do have have catering on site as well but not always so if uh, and it usually will say that in the in the regs and the, your final instructions for the event anyway. Yes. Um, and, the all... and the important thing in there as well, isn't it, is that you've, if I understood you correctly, you've driven the car to the event. Absolutely, yeah. Um, that is one of the rules. Um, that's always always been in there. It's basically a thing to to help keep the cost down because um, and and a lot of the venues can be quite sort of small in the. Um, in the paddock area so if everybody turned up on the trailer trying to squeeze it all in would, would become a problem um but typically during the day you shouldn't really be damaging your car to such an extent that you're going to not be able to drive it home you will get the odd breakdown you know it's, it's inevitable it's life um but in all the probably literally hundreds of events i've done i've only ever had to call the recovery service once so uh that's uh, quite quite a good record for me there, really. That is a good record. <laughs> so, sorry, you've unloaded the car. You've gone through yep. scrutineering. And for people who aren't familiar with scrutineering, what, what's, what's that for and what will be looked for, please? Yeah, basically, the uh, the event organisers will have the nominated scrutineer. They'll, they'll just do a basic check over your car, make sure it's, uh, make sure it's safe to run, basically. So they'll be checking your tyres making sure they're safe and also um, not anything that's on the, the list of banned tyres. Um, so you can't have any like the sticky track day rubber sort of stuff. It's you know basically road tyres is the going thing. Um, check your batteries safe and secure. That's not going to fly out and, and cause any uh, any damage or um, any issues during the day. Um, basic check on your steering and brakes, make sure they're operating correctly um make sure you haven't got any uh loose items in the car because because when you're driving around you will be you know, taking corners quite tightly and you know putting a fair amount of force in so the last thing you want is uh your air freshness suddenly flying across the dashboard and hitting you in the eye i was <laughs> more worried about your pat lunch still being in the boot <laughs> absolutely you, you don't want to be you don't want your, the contents of your sandwiches across the back seat so uh yeah so as long as your, your car's all good and you pass scrutineering um you can then generally uh go and sign on and you'll get your get your paperwork and your, your numbers to put in your cars and things like that and if you haven't already printed them off already a lot lot of the clubs now will send stuff out 
um, paperwork in advance. Um, a lot of that came from the from the pandemic when you, you, we had to stop touching things. Um, yep. we, we, we moved uh, to a lot of stuff online in in, um, in advance to events, and that seems to have carried on. And apart from the numbers, what will typically be in the pack of paperwork? Um, you'll probably get in there your entry list, so you can see you know your competitors and who's driving what, who's in what group. Um, you'll have a, a marshalling rotor, um, which will detail when you're marshalling, when you're driving, when you're resting. Because uh, your, your format on each test is you'll normally be split into into three groups, so that that which then run around on a rotational basis um, to make sure somebody people are always doing something, um, like so, which is either driving, marshalling, or uh, or resting. And then that keeps the event flowing through. Then okay, and I guess it means it's a never a dull moment, really. Absolutely, you've always got something to do, really. So uh, it keeps a day. It's not just a load of, uh, you know, drive for a bit and then sit around. You know, you're straight away doing something else. So uh, you actually do end up quite busy during the day. Yes. And when you're marshalling, mm -hmm. um, sort of two questions, really. Number one, what are you looking for? And number two, what can you learn while you're doing it? What you're looking for is is basically making sure that the, um, the other competitors out on course, they've firstly gone the right route. Um, so they've gone the correct side of the, the cones and passed the cones in the correct order. Um, and also, you're also looking to see if they strike any cones, because that would also incur a penalty. Okay. Uh, so if if if, An if Andy, who's not appearing on screen, can mm -hmm. bring up an image, hopefully, um, because cones are at the, at the heart of the way the course is, is structured, aren't they? Mm, absolutely. It's, it's, it's how we define them. Yes. Yes. And as if by magic. Thank you, Andy. There we go. Um, so so, so what, are, what are those elements there that you can you can identify? So your, your, typic, your typical cone setup um, on most events will be, as you see there, so you'll have your, your upright cone with the number on the top. So the number that obviously tells you which number cone it is. So normally they'll go from one, one upwards, unless you're doing the course in reverse, then they'll go numbers back down and when you say the reverse just for clarity you mean you'll be, you'll be driving the opposite direction, direction don't you yeah, rather than in reverse gear indeed there sh shouldn't be any reversing in an auto solo um, go on be honest have you ever reversed an auto solo oh countless times yeah i've really. <laughs> been backwards on the grass and all sorts <laughs> sorry I, I, dig I digress so you're you're following <laughs> you're following the the course by numbers in either ascending or descending order yes correct absolutely and um the yellow cone you can see there that's lying horizontally that tells you which side of the upright cone to go so uh, where you see that car position there that is the correct correct way around that cone that he's going there excellent so no, no penalties to apply there <laughs> no no and uh, he hasn't hit it yet so uh, he's all good for now excellent and uh, because Andy won't forgive us. Andy, by the way, um, <coughs> on the opening screen appears with a helmet on. So we can't see his face. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. And um, this week he's uh, largely lost his voice, which is, is why he's not co-hosting with me with me tonight. So we hope you feel better soon, Andy. Thank you for that picture. Um, the one thing we didn't mention, and I know you'll pick me up on it afterwards, <laughs> is in the background was the location known as Field of Sheep. Um, from the Grand Tour 
um, events filmed at uh, Rawton in Wiltshire. So, uh, if, you thought, if you thought that looked familiar, um, that would be why. So we've got a course laid out with cones. Thank you. Thank you for that. And and in terms of, of learning the course, how do you how do you get to grips with where you're expected to go? Well, before you drive any course, um, all competitors are allowed to walk the course first. So that's a good time to to really take note of what you're doing. Um, you know, you, you'll have enough time generally to, to walk it a couple of times, and, and I recommend you do. Um, what I tend to do when I'm walking the course is I'm looking as sort of far ahead as I can um, to sort of pick pick routes through cones. And I tend not to remember the entire course, um, so to speak. I tend to just pick out sort of key points. So where's like a, a really tight turn um, where you might not have the next cone is going to be in your, your direct line of sight. I'll tend to remember, say, get cone 12, take a real tight left sort of thing. And then um, and then the rest of it, if it, if it's laid out well, you should just be able to, you know, be picking up the cones as you go along. Um, also, another good way of learning things in the course is is when you're marshalling and and when you when you're just watching, um, just pay attention to where competitors are maybe slightly making a little bit of a mistake if they're slightly overshooting or they're taking things a bit wide. And you think, oh, when I get my turn on there, if I just back it off a little bit or if I just push a little bit harder there or turn a little bit tighter there. Then maybe I could pick up a, a tenth or two. Yes. So, so in a way, the marshalling is is not a isn't a time to relax. It's a time to learn and try and get a bit of competitive advantage. Very, very much so. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and will the groups always run in the same order through the day? Um, depends on the depends on the club and the event. Some um, some. We'll just run a, a set rotor on every on every course layout. Um, others will vary it slightly. So sometimes you'll be going in the first group. Sometimes you'll be in the second group out. Sometimes in the third group out. So uh, it did that. That is purely just down to the organising club and, and how how they've decided to run it really. Okay, and I guess that'll all be laid out in this set of paperwork you've been given. You, yeah, that that'll all be detailed for you in your yes. rotor. You, you should know what's uh, what's coming. Okay, so you've you've walked the course, you've got your map, <laughs> you get to the start line the first time. What's what's going through your mind? What are you thinking? What are you planning? Absolutely, um, I'm generally my method of attack is because um, you, you you normally get three runs on each course, um, and your best two uh, times from those three runs will, will count towards your final score. So if if you make a mistake on one run, it's not the end of the world. Um, some people tend to sort of go a bit slower on the first run and then and then build upon that into the uh, into their second and third runs. I'm of the method where I just basically just give it the full beans on the first one find, and find where I need to back off a little bit and okay. um, try try and find the limit as, as soon as I can and then and then work on that. Okay, and, and Andy's put up there from the Motorsport UK Blue Book, as it's colloquially known, or mm -hmm. Yearbook, um, as it's formally known, an example. So uh, drawing number 23 there is a probably slight, slightly simplified mm. or, um, course. Um, now, bearing in mind, for those on podcasts, it's not going to be visible to them, but I, I would describe it as 
a line going around blocked off areas and cones. Um, sometimes you go multiple sides. Uh, so you go past multiple cones on the same side as a sort of big sweeping bend. And then there could be sections that are more like a more like a slalom and you're you're alternating between cones or or possibly pair, pairs of cones or possibly different combinations. How how do you try and how do you try and lock those in your brain? Or is this down to the the, the, the numbers and the yellow cones lying on the side as reminders. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because the, the, I mean, auto solo itself has, I suppose, evolved from an auto test. Really, um, where an auto test, you really will have a very, very technical layout, um, and the cones aren't numbered. So you do have to do it to test your memory as well. Uh, auto solo shouldn't be a test of memory. It should be basically a nicely laid out blowing course that's um, easy, easy to follow. Um, and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll win or lose basically by, you know, driving neat and tidy around it and uh, finding those, those tenths of the seconds by just, you know, taking the right line and uh, capitalising on what's there really. So, yeah, um, I think that's a point worth worth repeating actually, isn't it? It's it's mm. not intended to be a memory test mm. if it's if the course is designed reasonably intuitively. We might get on to course design a bit later when we talk about the um, Shennington event that you're involved with. Then it should be, yes, it should be a test of precision and driving speed, skill. driving yeah. skill, um, not a memory test, which again, yeah. I guess, is is why it attracts newcomers. Yeah, I mean, it, it also, I think it keeps um, a lot of people who've done it for a long time as well. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly one of those. So never really got on that well with water tests um because i mean i'm one of those people that i walk up the stairs get into the room and, and wonder why i've made that journey so, um, <laughs> well you made it in front of the camera and the microphone which is good absolutely so, so to try and remember a, a full test just is, is is just too difficult for me really but if it's all all numbered and structured i can just follow that and, and go for it so uh, that makes it i think a lot lot more enjoyable for, for some people as well yes brilliant okay so we've had three goes at one test mm -hmm. taking our best two times yeah. what comes next we then uh we then go and speak to all our mates and uh compare and contrast what times we've done and uh have a, have a bit of banter with them and tell each other to go faster if they want to beat us <laughs> which of course is actually a really important part of the day isn't it yeah absolutely it's, it's very much a, spot. yeah it's very much a social event as well as as well as a competitive one um i mean i've, I've made some great friends over the year over the years and uh, you know i very much enjoy seeing them on the day as as much as actually driving the car yes so yeah. uh, Anyway, I'm giving the example of um, counting two runs out of three. Again, mm. it's something you need to understand because there's some discretion um, with the individual event organisers as to whether they count all the runs or allow mm. a drop score. Yeah. Um, so again, it's it's part when you should understand that at the time you enter, and I guess actually it's a reminder. Um, yeah, always read the the regulations as they're called. The Mm. details of the event when you put it out and always read the um the paperwork that comes out the week before mm -hmm. um, the, the final instructions. instructions um always worth reading that as well 
not least to find out when the gate's going to close if you're getting into a venue that's going to get the gate closed behind you yeah absolutely it's very important to be on time it just makes the whole day run smoother yes yes um, yes yeah, okay, so so you've had a good catch up with your mates you've you've yeah. either you've either been slightly proud that you've done well which is probably your typical scenario or, or you've commiserated with someone who's had a, <laughs> not such a good experience and then what happens next indeed so then um the, the course will be be changed for the next layout um typically most clubs run a format where they'll run one layout and then the second layout will be the re reverse direction the first um so that makes it quite quick on change round really you haven't got to start moving cones about it's just a few tweaks on the on the numbers and possibly the the horizontal cones because when you're coming from the opposite direction it might be different slightly different line of sight um but yeah once that course is then then reset it's then another another course walk so you can learn the uh, learn the next course again okay and do you find it feels do you feel that you know it in any way or is it very very different when it's reversed in direction it's completely different absolutely um, you you you'd expect it to be fairly similar but once you start driving it you know you, you're realizing that places where you you know you would have been accelerating going the other way you're now hard on the brakes and or you've got to take a completely different line coming from the other way because if you're say if you're coming in from a fairly open slalom and then into a tight one um you want to be you know scrubbing off the speed in around that particular cone in the middle of that lot whereas before you'd be to go around that fast a bit so it really does does make for a different course just purely by changing direction okay so it sounds like just literally try and wipe your wipe your memory of what you saw before it's all changed yeah absolutely you know what what you've already done is in the past so uh, focus on the on the future now okay and then what maybe after you've done that maybe you do get your pack lunch you generally well I generally have a lunch break after the second course uh, we'll yep. time to, time to squeeze that in um because most clubs will run try and run four courses in a day so yeah your natural break period is after the second one um and then while that that lunch break's happening that's when quite quite often with most clubs they'll, they'll start moving cones about a little bit more so the afternoon test will be sort of substantially different to the first one so typically they'll sort of open bits out as well so it might well get a bit faster in places uh, which is, is generally the norm okay so when you say four courses it really is um i don't know like an extravagant lunch four different courses yeah absolutely <laughs> I've got to the end of I've got to the end of the competitive day, and I've just just suggested um, helping you out here as an organizer that the that the last group of people who have been marshalling, it'd be really nice if they actually helped stack up the cones um, before somebody comes around with a trailer and collects them at the end of the day. Yeah, very that's very good of them. And yeah. then we've just gone off to wherever the results are being done. And we found the results on the board um, because the, the stopwatch will tell over the course of the day and we can see the results. Um, and the question I guess I'd ask you now is there could be some subdivisions in those results. Um, do you want to talk to us about the different, the different elements of the results? Somebody's going to be fastest overall, but what about other ways of dividing up the results? 
Yeah, um, so basically on, on all events you'll, you'll be competing um, in a class structure. Um, the Generally you'll have Class A, which will be cars up to 1400cc, uh, Class B, uh, which is then 1401 up to 2000, Class C, over 2000cc, uh, Class D, then that gives you your production sports cars, so your things like your Master MX-5s, Vauxhall VX220, then anything, that sort of thing. Um, a Class E would include all your kit cars um, and anything that can't run in the in the standard classes. Um, so, so if you've got a stripped out car, something like that, it, it then, because uh, you have to retain all your original internal trim um, and things like that to be able to run in your corresponding engine size class. So, uh, so if you're running a car that you're on the use for track days or something like that, still road league and still do the event, you could run in class E. Um, and that's the sort of typical typical class structures we see. Some clubs do divide that even further, um, but that's, it's not not as common as, as the sort of standard standardish classes that I've just described there. Okay, so I guess the guess the ones you've described are, are typical for the events you've been at. Um, but it could vary, could vary around the country. They're they're not mandated. I guess the key thing is they're not mandated in the blue book. Correct. Different yep. organisers have discretion to do what what works. Yeah, what works yeah. in their part of the country. Yeah, could go down the route of say two wheel drive, four wheel drive, front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, that sort of things. Yes. Wanted to to make to separate it out even more. Okay, and I'm guessing that you will have um, said which class you believe you're in when you've placed your entry. Indeed, indeed, absolutely. Um, all the the classes will be listed in your in your regulations, so uh, you should be able to find which one your your car fits into, and select the corresponding class as you do your entry. Okay, excellent. So we've 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 seen the results, um, we've seen the thingies. Now some lucky people might mm -hmm. collect an award along the way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, depending on how many people uh, we're running in that class, we usually um, determine how many awards we're giving out. Um, whether you get first, second, and third in class, um, you then also have a fastest time of day, of course, for your absolute overall winner. Um, quite often, there'll be an award for the best um, organising club member. Uh, also youngest driver that's also quite a common one um, used to get quite a lot uh, best lady but that that seems to have been phased out quite a bit in a lot of events and quite rightly so I think because uh, a lot, uh, most of the girls are just as quick as the men so yes so I've, I've certainly been beaten by a few and not got a problem with that so <laughs> that's absolutely yeah. level playing field yes it's it's uh, it, it, yeah, that that sort of neutrality, gender neutrality, is mm. um, is I think yeah more commonly being regarded as as not appropriate to highlight in events. And um, but I do like the idea of having uh, having a young young driver awards. Mm. Um, very much so. That, that makes newcomers good, in. Yeah, very much in, in good and encouraging, and uh, yes, it gives them something to aim for, and when they go back to school on Monday morning, something to tell them out about. Exactly. Now, talking of young drivers, I don't know. I don't know what answer you'd give to this. You could. Mm -hmm. You could speak for the general population. You don't have to speak for yourself. It's always an interesting question. If you say to, let's say, late teens or early twenties, yeah. if you go out on a Friday night, 
what do you typically spend? Do you, do you want to guess at the sort of range of answers I've been given to that question? <laughs> I reckon that's it's going to be in three figures, I, I would guess. Yeah, going, going by how much drinks cost now. <laughs> okay, so let, let, let's say it's £100. Yeah. So, let's and let's say there's an auto solo on the Saturday. Yeah. So, if we've got somebody who says, well, I can't go and have all those drinks on a Friday night because I'm driving my car to the auto solo on Saturday and competing mm. in it. So, the drinks are out the window. They've now got £100, let's say, saved from Friday to spend on Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, typical entry fee for an auto solo? Typical entry fee is round about the £50 mark at the moment. Okay, so I'll start a tally here, okay? So yeah. we've got £50 entry fee. Yeah. Um, uh, basic Motorsport UK RS Clubman license. Normal is free. Don't just uh, click on the link on the MSUK website and you can uh, apply and it will be uh, in your inbox fairly quickly. Yep. And uh, you can do that um, electronically. Yep, electronically you can do that. So, right, so we've got we've got £50 for the entry fee. Nothing for the license to compete. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we're going to need to belong to a motor club, aren't we? Yeah. Typical motor club? 10 to £15, £10 to £15 I think. Okay, we'll call it £15. Well, we'll go high, so we will call it 15 um, now, I know it depends on distance, but how much fuel are we going to burn during the day? That's a good question. I'd probably say... Including, get, including getting there. Yeah, to an event. getting there, doing it and getting back again. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably see half a tank has, has been my sort of average. So you're probably looking at, well, today's price is sort of 40, 40, 50 pound of fuel. Okay, so we'll say 40 pounds for that. But our, of course, our motor club membership stands as good for the season. Yeah. So, if we said, if we said, just, not, just nominally speaking, we'll say we'll only take a third of the motor club membership fee, okay? Yeah. And that for because we're going to spread that over three events, so that's cost a fiver. By your your magic of maths, and I promise we didn't rehearse this, <laughs> we now ended up doing the first event for ninety five quid. <laughs> Compared yeah. to the hundred pounds plus somebody was going to spend on a Friday night out. Indeed, and you, you'd probably have a better time. And you might have a better time, <laughs> yes. And hopefully, um, you won't have a headache afterwards. So I know people. I know that people say motorsports expensive, um, but uh, relative to, um, I'm not saying your. I'm not saying your Friday nights. <laughs> your nominal, you know, late teen or early twenties person. Yeah, it's a similar. It's a similar cost, or quite possibly even cheaper, isn't it? Mm. Um, so it. You know, it does just show that motorsport can be affordable and accessible, which is what the Start Line Stories podcasts are here to um, share with people. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's one of the, the key reasons why I've done all solo so long. Yes, uh, because it is so affordable. Um, you know, I don't. I'd love to go and do things like stage rallying and circuit racing, that sort of thing. But then you you look at the cost of just you know getting to the start line, and it's just yeah. For a lot of people, it is unfortunately too prohibitive. Um, but with auto solo, you know, when, when you're that sort of low down on cost in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, it is certainly cheaper than a set of golf clubs. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, and just before just before we go to um, Andy for any comments and questions, because we've reached the end of the day, we must do that vital last safety check. 
um, where you mentioned earlier what you'll be doing before you go back. Mm -hmm. Very, very much just give your car a quick look over and check the tyres, make sure they're they're safe and legal. And, yes. Uh, as long as the car is all, all happy and we're in one piece, so they're quite happy to drive it home again. Yep, and that's why you brought the spare pair of um, rims and tyres, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, probably a statement or question of the obvious, I guess, in general, well, they're probably the same size front and rear, but of course it's the driven wheels that are probably mm. most likely to... Um, to get wear on them so your your front wheel drive hatchbacks will be most likely to need to change the front and your mx5s etc most likely to need to change the rear mm, mm, absolutely um some venues can be a bit more abrasive than others um so typically if you're on a an old airfield um with the, the hard concrete runways they tend to to wear the tires a little bit more um than your, your smooth modern car parts yes Brilliant. Well, I really, I really hope that that walk through the day, and thank you for that, Hayden, because that was a really comprehensive walk through the day. Um, but I'm hoping that just sort of takes away some of the sort of uncertainty um, that might face newcomers and gives them that sense of reassurance. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we've got a number of comments and questions that may have come in. So uh, hopefully Andy can share those with us. I'm going to have to move something on here. Ah, I suspect that's in relation to cones that jump out when you least expect them. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But when they tell you you've hit a cone, no, I didn't. Definitely not. No, you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> There'll always be witnesses. Um, <laughs> good one come in there. From, can't quite see who it's from, but I think I recognise a Welsh dragon on it. So, um, in, in, this, in, this in this international podcast, um, the, the, the comment come question is, some images show a passenger on board. Do mm -hmm. most run with a passenger or solo? It's, um, it is down to the organising clubs. Um, it does allow in the, the Blue Book now for passengers to be carried. Um, that was a, a change made, made a few years ago. Because uh, originally it used to be driver only, and that was it. Um, the only time that you used to be able to run a passenger was if it was a young driver um, without a, a road traffic license. Um, they needed to be supervised by somebody with a driving license and who was who had experience of, of auto solos or auto tests. Um, but now the, the club can choose if, if if they want to allow it or not. Um, personally, I think it is, it's a good thing to allow passengers. It's another good way of, of getting people involved because, you know, you, can, you get your mates to come along and go, you know, come and sit in with me for the day, come and have a look, yes. see, if, see if you want, if you fancy it, if, if you want to start driving yourself, you know. It's the close-up view, isn't it? And as, um, as Chris yeah. has picked up there, thank you for your comment, Chris. You're absolutely right. A junior has to run with, with an adult. Um, and, uh, yeah, Chris's second comment there. Um, often the parent will have, often the parent will have, um, be sitting alongside the junior to to help to help them learn. Mm. Um, and and your final comment, well, maybe your final comment, Chris. I don't know, but um, yes, uh, auto solo, as um, Hayden's just explained, um, it is now down to the organisers' discretion whether to allow um, passengers passengers as well. Um, I mentioned stopwatches earlier, but um, yep. Seven Oaks Auto Solo have put up there. A lot of clubs are adopting the live Sapphire timing system. Mm, yes, very um, much what's so. What's your experience of that, Hayden? Yeah, it's it's a good thing. Um, basically, it's a, a, a free app to download. Um, a lot of clubs do use it. Um, 
it's basically sort of you know tailor made for for our style of events, um, so that the results can be be entered quickly um, and automatically, basically at the, at the start and stop line, um, and then it can be accessed by all the competitors as the day goes on, and you, and you get live updates. You know, with, within within a minute of you crossing the um, the stop line, your your times logged on the uh, on the results sheet there, so you you can really really see what's happening so the, yeah that picture that's, that's just come up there that's the oh, uh, that's the timing out line so can you effectively finish a test drive back park up pick your phone up and see how you did yeah absolutely so you get a bit longer to work out your excuses <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely um so sometimes you, you can see you get there and you think hang on you, you you've suddenly given a seen a penalty there and you think oh, i wonder where that was so you have to Maybe inquire about that, but um, generally it's a, generally it's a good system. Um, the only time it can come a little bit of a problem is if uh, if something goes wrong with it and the actual uh, system crashes. That can that can cause a bit of an issue during the day. Um, but on the whole, it seems to seem to work quite well. Um, okay, so I'll come on to John's comment in a moment. But just to check, um, when you've been talking about Sapphire so far. Have you been talking about times that have been taken by stopwatch or times that have been taken using timing beams? Um, you, you, or both? Yeah, I mean, the, the system will work with both. Um, okay. Timing beams uh, will will get a nice, uh, pretty accurate, um, pretty accurate timing because obviously when you, your car goes through one that start line breaks a beam starts to stopwatch automatically. Um, uniquely when you get to the finish, break the beam there, it then stops the stopwatch automatically. Um, yes. So um, John's comment is it's not it's not visible right now, but in essence he was um, looking looking ahead um, and wondering wondering whether with with times in events sometimes mm -hmm. being incredibly close, um, yeah. there's probably a greater margin for error with a marshal. This this is a stopwatch compared to using beam timing, and mm -hmm. um, John wonders whether whether Sapphire will Sapphire or, or I guess other other systems using beam timing may uh, may become may become used more. Um, mm. I mean, this, this this is a discussion I've had, had a few times. I mean, I myself coordinate the Cotswold Motorsport Group um, or Survey Championship. I think as a championship coordinator. I don't think it would be right for me to imply on on all clubs you must run this system because um, not all clubs you know some clubs have, have their own systems that they've been running uh, for a long time they're happy with and it works for them um, so to send say if you want to be part of my championship you must run this I don't think that would be appropriate um, what I would say though is is whatever their system they're running as long as on the day it's fair um, and consistent um, so that you know the timing is is the same for all all competitors. Um, yeah. that, that that's very much important. Um, and I think uh, my personal opinion is is at our level of sport. Um, if if we're going to be that that sort of anal about absolute mid, fraction of a millisecond from from pushing button, it's not really what the sport's about. Um, you know, we it's 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 a good social event. As, as well as a competitive and you know we want to encourage friendly competition rather than outright 
Yeah, absolutely on the absolute millisecond sort of uh, circuit racing style stuff because you know, I just don't think it's what it's about. Yes, I think. I mean, I think the key word there is probably consistency, hmm. um, and I'm sure all timekeepers um, endeavour to be consistent. And and some clubs, and of course, some of this, some of the sort of uh, timing, because the the beam type timing systems are what are used in sprints and hill climbs. Hmm. Um, time to a hundredth of hundredth of a second. Yeah. Um, but the the entry fees are significantly higher than the typical fifty pounds we talked about earlier. So I think it it might be it might be a trend. Um, I think I think you're absolutely right. There have been discussions in the past of, about whether you know packages of timing gear can be obtained and whether there's yeah yeah whether any sorts of subsidies or grants or, or regional associations might buy kit that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean there is there is obviously a cost associated with with running and, and hiring the kit out and stuff like that. So yeah. uh, yes. if we want to keep, you know, if, if the clubs are able to, to use it and, and keep their entry fees at a sensible level, then absolutely yeah. go for it. So, yes, we will see. We note, we note your comment, John, and thank you for it. Um, so you've mentioned in there, Hayden, that as well as being a competitor, and thank you for those experiences, um, you're the championship coordinator for the Cotswold Motorsport Group championship mm. um, and then we're not far away now from the um, auto solo the Shennington cart circuit on Sunday the 22nd of October mm-hmm. um, and I believe you're part of the organizing team for that yes indeed um, I said if, if you look in the regs you'll see uh, assistant clerk of the course against my name um, okay what will you be doing then um, well, that won't be my only role in the day. So, uh, but assisting Clark, of course, or basically, as as it says, assisting the Clark, of course, um, providing him with a, a second pair of eyes and, and a, a bit of backup and, uh, and a bit of discussion if he, if he needs to um, sort of think a bit more about a decision or something and needs a bit more input. Um, but my sort of full role over the weekend is, is substantially varied. Um, it will start at about 9.30 on Saturday morning. And um, when I arrive at the club's doors to, to help load up equipment, um, or before okay. that, I've, I've, <laughs> this is the day before the event, then. Yep, yeah, yep. it's um, not 24. It's not a one-day event for you. It's a yeah, two-day no, event. No. Um, and even before that, I've currently got 180 cones sat in my back garden, ready to go. Um, there's a story that goes with them that I'll tell you about one day. <laughs> but they'll they'll be in the van before that. Um, but anyway, yeah. So help load up all the equipment, then we'll go across to the venue. Um, lay out the the first test ready to go um, so that basically when we turn up Sunday morning we haven't got too much to do in, in the way of uh, course layout that bit's all, all set and, and ready and we're happy um, so, okay, so I've, I've seen I've seen Shennington cart circuit being used for that purpose on a, on a school holiday event for youngsters mm-hmm. um, what do you do to, to, to turn it into an auto solo course Basically, we um, we utilise the circuit itself um, as the sort of defined area, so to speak, um, and then we strategically place the cones around that to make it so it's not just a straight flat around the uh, the circuit, effectively. So it's by the nature of the venue, it's more more slalomy um, than than just like your sort of typical square that that you'd have. Um, but there are a few sort of little cut-ins and bits and pieces where we can we can utilise and send the cars in to to go around extra cones and stuff like that. So it's it's basically 
was in using all the available space to us and you know, making making it work for us really. Okay, and, and, we, and we talked about um, competitors being in one of the three groups and spending some of the time marshalling. Mm -hmm. um, but actually, would you appreciate any volunteers to to marshal outright on the day and add to the volunteers there? Yeah, I mean, we always we always do. Um, we have people who aren't actually competing who are purely just marshalling. Um, typically, the the start and finish crews um, they're normally purely purely marshals. Um, so so yeah, we do always always welcome people who want to come and come and help out and, and get involved. Okay, and would they um, make contact on the uh, club website, OxfordMotorClub.co.uk? Yes, yeah. Um, if you, you go to the club website and then uh, find the find the regs on the Auto Solo page, and it has the uh, the contact details of all the organisers in there who to who to speak to for your services. Okay. So that's Sunday, twenty second of October, um, with the club website being OxfordMotorClub.co.uk. Um, Thank you for that. I didn't realise that you'd been competing for twenty years. Um, what what got you started? Well, I've been in any form of motorsport. Yeah, I mean, I my first experience in motorsport would have been well when I when I was just a baby, um, and, and my dad was taking me with him to to stage rallies and, and stuff like that. So because he's he's always been very much um, part of many organisation crews. Um, does a lot of radio marshalling, and he's also a an environmental group in there as, as well as as well as many other things so i was quite often in you know grew up going to events um and always been part of oxymotor club um and then as i got got older and uh, more capable of shifting cones about and stuff like that and then i was able to to help out a lot more in events <laughs> so I, don't, I don't i don't know if he's watching i'm sure i find out if i say this so you were there you were there in shorts because you were young and he was there in shorts because simon's always in shorts absolutely yeah definitely he, he, he likes to remain comfortable it's basically i think it's purely the sort of family connection that's got me into it and then um as as I grew up and and you know passed my driving test and got my own cars, then uh, you know the world was my oyster, so to speak. And I was able to start start entering events. Um, I did my first auto solo, um, which was a Dolphin Motor Club event at Tullam, um, near Abingdon. Um, there's a sort of big science park type place there and all sorts. They used to used to have a, a layout room there that we were able to use. Um, that was in my. my Red Rover 214, um, and I had a well of a time. You know, it was uh, basically a way that I could actually just you know, drive the car quickly and, and have a mess about at that sort of young age without you know causing a danger to myself or the public, really. So, yes. but yes, and talking and talking of venues, I guess there are they, they are many and varied. What are some of the more unusual ones that you've been to? Um, so, I think probably the best. The best venue, which is still in use, is probably Campbell, um, yeah. out near Sirencester. Where that one's very popular. Um, that's on, on on the airfield there. That has a very quite varied um, varied layouts on that. Um, and there's, there's a few sort of surface changes and stuff. It's all still sealed surface, of course, but you know different different types of concrete and tarmac. So yeah. it's just a good big area. So that that gives you just a nice mix of fast open bits and slightly more tight and technical twisty bits so you've, you've really got to really got to work hard and concentrate on that one 
Um, one of the ones I really used to enjoy, um, which we don't have anymore, unfortunately, uh, is was it Silverstone? Um, the sort of main car park, just as you go in the main entrance, just in on the right hand side there, which is basically a massive square. So uh, you can yeah. really just just have a huge space and just lay out a massive, uh, nice big massive course. So you, you could really uh, really push quite well through there. Yeah, I think this year, this year I've seen pictures of um, if Andy can find it, it's sat in the folder. One of them being one of them being used was the um, Browns Hatch, sort of lower paddock, um, beyond Halewood's grandstand at the bottom of Paddock Hill, um, mm -hmm. and that's also incorporated using parts of the um, Rally 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 School track. Yes, yeah, I've seen YouTube videos. I haven't done that one myself. Yes, no, right, and and then somewhere in Sussex, possibly there was a an old an old very undulating karting circuit found. So the the variety is quite huge, isn't it? It can be flat car parks or something that's completely yeah. different. Yeah, I, I did one um, a few years ago now, uh, Campton Race Course, I think it was. Um, that had quite a, a a nice bit, and there was a sort of a few different heights on the. Um, on the layout and you went up a ramp and all sorts of things so that was uh that was quite exciting when you said kempton i remember seeing a picture of a ramp although i haven't been there um yeah. and your, your range of cars you you mentioned a, a red rover um, yeah. but i think you've had quite a lot over time and possibly if you can draw out the highlights when i said earlier just about any car is suitable I'm yeah. just thinking, i think you can probably demonstrate that with your uh, portfolio of vehicles over the years yeah. So yeah, so first one was the Red Rover two one four, which is all completely standard. Um, I then progressed from that onto a Mark one Skoda Octavia VRS, um, which was quite quite a big big car with a reasonable amount of power, um, but was still you know, reasonably handled well enough to to get me around okay. Um, used a borrowed Audi A three. <laughs> I then had my ultimate autosolar car was my blue Rover 214, which I actually ended up putting an MGZR 160 engine in um, yep. with, with the limited slip diff. And that was just a hell of a machine. I mean, the people that um, saw that one will know that it just got to ridiculous angles, that car, but always made it. <laughs> yes. And it, and it looks, I, think, I think it's fair to say, it's a shame we haven't got any video of you, actually, because I think it's fair to say you're, you're always entertaining. There, there, is a, there is a few few in-car videos from that still on YouTube. Um, mm. See my YouTube channel, Hayden2402. Um, there's a fair few from that. Um, but then when, once that car eventually eventually died, um, I then had a BMW 3 Series Compact for a little bit. Um, Too obvious. Come on, there must be something yeah. obscure coming. Um, it's coming, it's coming. And then, um, then after that, I had an MGZS. Um, which was fairly similar to the old Rover, just a more modern rounded version. Then that went, and then uh, I ended up with uh, probably the strangest vehicle you'd, you'd expect, uh, a Volvo V50 estate. Okay, so I, I remember seeing a picture of this. How, di how did you come upon a Volvo V50 estate, and how did you decide that it was the car for you for Auto Solo? Well, I, I originally bought the car. It was a complete impulse buy on eBay. Um, my initial plan for it was to break it for parts um a bit of a sideline is, is selling cars in pieces to make a few extra pounds here and there 
um, and it came up cheap and local, so I thought that'll do. Um, but then I ended up just using it on an event because the car that I was going to use um, was an Audi TT, um, which uh, I ended up just selling that in pieces as well because I, in the six months I had it, I spent more time turning spanners and actually driving it. Um, it sounds like the Volvo won its appeal and was saved. Yeah, so uh, so I had this Volvo sat on the drive still. So I thought, you know what, we'll just use it and just have a laugh. Um, so presumably yeah. it was very slow and finished at the back of the field every time. Uh, no, 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 completely the opposite. Um, it's had a few class wins and I also had uh, a fastest time of day with it at, uh, at Defford, um, which was probably its, its, its biggest highlight. So, uh, yeah, it, it just goes to show that, you know, any car can be suitable um, and it's not always about the car, it's, it's quite often about how you drive it. So, uh, yes, yes, and I think that's that's a um, that's a key point, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've always been fairly neat and tidy um, and that, that tends to tends to get results then. Um, you, you, when when you watch and you, you if you see the cars that you know big sideways and you know being quite leery yeah that looks good but uh you look at the times and that it's it's the ones that don't look massively fast but then you look at the time and they've just been so neat and tidy and precise and yes. then that's, that's where uh, all the results come from yes i actually learned that lesson myself with one of your oxford colleagues mm -hmm. so when i started sometime after you um Kev Belcher often used to win an awful lot, and he had you'll know you'll know which variation, but it was one of the one of the early Subaru Impressors. Yeah. So of course he won because it was four wheel drive and turbocharged. Logic might say. However, I don't know if you remember this when he had an engine issue with it and couldn't yeah. compete in that. I was competing in my little Rover two one four. What did Kev come out in? Four as well. He came out with a 214. Guess who was still absolutely at the sharp end of the field? Oh, very, very much Kev. Yeah, absolutely Kev. So, um, no, that's really why we, we emphasise the fact that it's it's all about, I think it's all about experience and technique. Don't mm. get to anybody thinking of starting auto solo. Um, I got, I'm pretty sure you'll agree here, Hayden, but don't get bound up in what sort of car you've got. Mm. It's how you drive it's an important thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's just, you know, pure practice, basically. Yes. The, yes. More you, the more you drive, the more you get used to it, the more you um, you pick up the techniques and uh, and what you're, what you're looking out for on a course and, you know, where to position the car and, you know, when to be on the power, when to be on the brakes. It, it all just, you know, eventually clicks into place. Yeah. Really. So is that effectively your, your summary of what makes a fast driver or are there any other hints... That you, not, you'd add to that, yeah, apart, from, apart from just be slightly slower than you. Yeah, you know, I mean, some sometimes it counts just you know go slower to go faster. Um, if anything, you know, keep keep it sensible. Don't don't be too leery with it. You know, mm. be be patient on the throttle. You know, if yep. if your wheels are spinning, you're not going forward. So no, so, and, and in a way that's carried all the way through the day you've described, doesn't it? Because it started mm. off with walking the course, understanding the course. Not trying to remember the thing, but the key parts of it. Mm. Learn what you can learn when you're marshalling and other people are driving or you're resting. Yeah. And then just be neat, precise. Yeah. Work your way through. And, and I guess if you've got drop scores in the event you're doing, you can 
if you push a bit harder, do you go quicker or do you run wide? There's, there's time for a bit of experimentation. That's it. That's it. You know, and, and also a, another thing I would say very much based on, on, on uh, personal experience is don't take it too seriously. Yeah. Uh, if, if you start putting too much pressure on yourself, then you're just going to make mistakes and you, and you won't enjoy it. You know, just, just go out there with the view of you're here to have a good time. And, and if you get, you know, your improved results, um, then that's a bonus really. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a really really important thing. If you enjoy it, you'll come back, and you'll probably you'll probably get probably get quicker too. Absolutely. Brilliant, Hayden. Thank you very much. I've got one final. You're you're very welcome to stay on, and you might be interested yeah. in this a bit later. Absolutely. One final question for you. Well, it's a bit hypothetical because we can't actually do this. Right. Hypothetically, yeah, you've got one day mm-hmm. to drive one car of your choice. Ooh. At one venue of your choice. <laughs> oh no! What are you going to? What car are you going to pick? And where yeah, well, are you, where are you going to take it? I think I would go with an Austin Metro, like my first car. <laughs> yes. Like normally aspirated or turbocharged? <laughs> it would be normally aspirated. Okay, an MG Metro. Yeah. Oh, not not an MG. It'd be an Austin. I'm oh, sorry, an Austin. <laughs> my apologies. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't be that fancy. Okay. Um, and and I think I'd have to uh, I'd have to take it to Campbell, my favourite venue. Yep. And, uh, and just give it the full beans and have a laugh with it. Okay. Now there aren't lovely answer actually. Yeah. There aren't that many of those about, but I guess no. a modern day equivalent, maybe a a cheap micro for a few hundred quid or something like that. Yeah, you can. You maybe, can maybe not for no, maybe not for you. But if somebody's thinking of starting and saying, "Well, do I use a car I've got, or do I just go and buy something cheap?" Yeah, something I mean, it, 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 could do it. Yeah, if you're looking for the sort of modern day equivalent, sort of small cars, then yeah, you're, you're into Micras, um, Fiestas as well. Before they started getting big, mm. um, you know, there's still a still a few Ford cars knocking around that are yeah. that, that are quite handy. Um, small and nimble. Small and nimble definitely works, yeah. I mean, yep. like, the, like the micros and stuff that are in, in Class A, um, they are forces to be reckoned with. You know, a, a well-driven one of those can yep. very much uh, be a lot faster on an autosode, of course, and you know, something with 200 horsepower. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, we thank you very much for joining us because what you've done is you've you've added a whole heap of information over and above what anybody can, can read about by looking at the Blue Book or... Mm-hmm or looking at the drive publication that Motorsport UK have recently released, um, mm-hmm. giving information about getting started in different sports. Mm-hmm. Um, you brought it alive. You've added those bits of details. Thank you so much. Um, you're very welcome to stay on this podcast. Um, but thank you, Hayden, very much for your contribution. You are most welcome. Thank you for having Thanks a lot. Thanks for joining us. Well, Lovely stuff. Thank you. Andy, do we, do we have any more any more comments popped up? Um, that we wish to put in now, or ah, okay. So Seven Oaks Auto Solo popped up again um, and said, as an example, 14 to 16 year old club members get free entries to all auto solos the club runs to try and help the youth into the sport. Yep, so that's absolutely fantastic. Well done, Seven Oaks and District um, Motor Club, um, with your initiative. I'm sure there will be others around the country, but that's absolutely fantastic to encourage the youngsters in. Um, Andy Lawrence says he lost a wheel there, but I don't know where there is now. <laughs> oh, Silverstone. 
Yeah, so the very smooth tarmac. <laughs> you lost you, you lost the wheel there. Well done, Andy. <laughs> an, an Evo half, and I think I know who that is, says, where didn't you lose a wheel? And, and yes, Andy, I do remember a venue that I won't name, and a car I won't name, seeking permission to go on the course to collect a wheel that you'd lost. So <laughs> you've been spotted. <laughs> Ah, okay, yeah, well, there's one of those three that I picked up, so uh, Andy's kindly contributed, claiming there are a few places he's not lost a wheel, but um, yes, he managed to lose three at Castle Coombe over time, um, and John, that's a nice sum up, saying uh, the sports moving on will continue to develop, and young drivers of the future. Couldn't agree more. Um, and the comment, I'm sorry, the the comment is up, Kemble or Rorton loads to Lees. I'm not sure what that, hoping that's not about wheel loss. Um, but uh, yeah, both Kemble and Rorton have been um, fantastic, fantastic places. Oh, where to drive given any car? That's John's nomination. So John would take a loads to Lees to Kemble or Rorton. So um, yes, thank you for that, that message. Um, highlighting that context and that completes the comments that we've got at the moment now under 17 drivers um we've we highlight we've highlighted this um with auto solo with the examples given during the course of this podcast um and it is not always remembered that for under 17s um motorsport is a fantastic place to start um so that the youngsters can drive in motorsport before they can drive on the road. And a very high-level summary, um, if, a, if a, a road traffic license isn't needed to do an event and people don't want to race a truck, under-17s are welcome. Um, that's pretty much the extent of it. Um, being absolutely absolutely simple about it just to show how many different types of sport it's possible to do below the age of 17 um the one that is perhaps the um if, if we take if we take the auto soda one sorry andy's brought this up now so this is an extract from the motorsport uk um blue book i've got a sticker on my screen and i'm just losing some of the words because of where my self-images so yes entries can be accepted from youngsters who are aged 14 years and over clearly they won't have a full rta license um, the vehicle must by definition be a touring car um, which in summary is a four seat um, fixed roof conventional car um, the words on that are slightly slightly longer but that's the essence of it um, you think about the British Touring Car Championship. Um, touring car is a defined term in the blue book. I've got the paper copy here um, simply for ease of reference. We would always recommend that people look at the online version because it picks up any updates. Um, the vehicle must be not more than uh, 2000cc and the passenger must be carried who holds a full RTA license and be experienced in, in auto solos. Um, so you tend to get various combinations. It can be parent with a youngster. It can be a club member with a youngster to support the to support the 14 years old and over into the sport. Um, so that is where one place that youngsters can come in is through auto solo events. Um, but absolutely, there are other other categories too. 
um, the blue book has within it a minimum age table um, as a steward once said to me the most important part of the blue book is the index at the back um, or the online version um, having the PDF version on a computer or a device is great because you can then do searches um, a lot more easily and here's the table from the blue book uh, that Andy's oh no we've gone to the auto we've gone to the auto solo course layouts that is really quite difficult for me to see so I think we've We've, we've moved on from that, but as, as, I, as I was saying, in terms of minimum ages across any type of motorsport, there's a minimum age table in the blue book. Um, now, the question sometimes arises, is it the youngsters that want to drive or is it the parents that want them to drive? And actually, I think it's double-handed um, because to the youngsters, it's great fun to learn to drive and drive before they can drive on the road. And for the parents, there's almost the... Um, safety and societal bit of it um, nobody likes to see the likes of flowers tied to lampposts after it's been a, a very bad accident um, so if there's the opportunity to teach youngsters to control the car before they before they um, can drive on the road that's great it creates hopefully the culture between what's appropriate within a motorsport environment and what's appropriate on the road um, and of course, it's great activity to be um, to be to be out out with your youngster, parent and child bonding, and with the um, ability, which actually we didn't talk about earlier, to um, share cars on an auto solo. So where they are t where the, where competitors are typically divided into three groups, that means that a car can be shared. Um, so you've also got the opportunity for maybe the youngster to be driving, and the parent to be driving. And competing against each other and of course comparing times and the inevitable banter that will take place between between the two i can hear you chuckling hayden which kind of suggests to me that you've seen that occurring in practice <laughs> i um i quite often share the share the car with my wife as well and uh yeah there's, there's always um a bit of competitiveness in there um but also from the sort of point of view of actually um, helping her improve her driving. Um, she's learned a lot because um, before she met me, she'd never done any kind of motorsport at all. Um, and you know, uh, she's a lot more confident now in, in actually controlling the car. So you know, yes. if, if out on the road, you know, you hit that patch of oil and the, the car starts sliding, you know, she ain't gonna panic about it now. It's just catch it, drive it. You know, using the skills that she's learned from motorsport. Yes. And how does she rate your coaching? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, I mean, she agreed to marry me, so uh, I think <laughs> she listened to you on that day. She listened to you in the car as well. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I mean, it sort of got to the point where I didn't really have to sort of coach her too much in the in the end. Um, basically, just you know, more encouragement of you know, go on, go on, go on. Basically, yes. get, get your foot down and, and, and keep going. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And, and youngsters, I guess you must have seen some of these youngsters and parent and child combinations. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 very common. Um, and there's a certainly um, competing in the CMSG Championship. There is uh, Chris and Ian Kent. Um, Ian, I think he's 15, if I'm correct at the moment. Um, who has been doing it for a couple of years now, and he, he really has improved so much. He, he really is, you know, a force to be reckoned with. You know, he's very very quick driver now 
Um, he's, he's learned a lot in the in the time from, from driving on all zones. Yes, and, and you've reminded me actually of an um, event for youngsters that was put on by the district council in Petersfield in Hampshire. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a youngster with a grandparent, I think. And the youngster was kind of doing okay, but not quite as well as he wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember having a word with him and just, just suggesting one or two things relatively gently. Mm -hmm. um, and he wasn't sure it was going to make any difference. And then he got out of the car absolutely beaming because he got about three seconds faster. And it was yeah. just lovely to see that, that sort of innocent delight of the sport, which is, mm -hmm. is back to the point you made earlier about having fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. So, yes, under, under 17s. Um, Karting is obvious. Auto solo is great. Um, sprints and hill climbs um, also possible. Um, so yeah, as a as a principal, getting involved absolutely absolutely wonderful. Um, just chat with you, Andy, whether anybody's got any comments or questions relating to youngsters driving, or whether we've perhaps covered that off. Yep, Chris, good point. That the um, again that minimum age table in the blue book. Um, there are uh, various ages um, at which people can be a passenger in cars. Mm -hmm. And of course, those ages for passengers tend to be lower than the driving age. Well, actually, the, the lowest age that I'm aware of, and this is some years ago because it was my mum, is is I've, I inherited a gift that my granddad gave to my mum as a child, um, recognising her close her first motorsport event um which was a i think it was a trials event and she 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 took part at the age of six months <laughs> um trial, yeah the actual age now is two years so they've hugely increased it from six months to two years mm. um, again it's always worth worth looking in the um it's always worth looking in the, in the blue book for the minimum ages. Um, again, to get people, as, as, as you said, you did, Hayden, you know, you've got into it through the family, um, through, through your dad's interest. Yeah. Um, and John, John Baldwin's added a comment at the Sporting Car Club of Norfolk. Um, so we've gone from we've gone from Wales in the west to Norfolk in the east. Um, they run taste for events and have a few micros for new drivers and young drivers to use. Um, and again, I think some of these entry-level sports, um, that's common. I know, I know um, Bognor Regis Motor Club had... Uh, a micro micro two for their summer grass auto test so again um, and maybe it's a thing that if people have got a car that uh, doesn't need to be on the clearly wouldn't apply to auto solo because they need to be driven on the road um, but if you've got things like grass auto tests happening then um, cars that are fundamentally sound might be used so if anybody's thinking of getting rid of a car um, that they don't need anymore then think about think think whether it could be of use to the to the motor club yep brilliant okay so uh, we are done on the under 17s. Um, thank you for that. Um, just going back to the auto solos, just I think we've probably gone through most of those things. So we did have a, um, a segment here saying, what do you need to compete? Um, we've talked about the different sorts of cars, um, all going to be road cars, road legal, taxed insured, MOT, driven to events. Um, scope there for anything from your few hundred pound micro and then um, Hayden, you you highlighted your your more your ultimately more more, more trick your more trick rover, and um, there is scope for that. Um, 
maintenance is going to be important. You don't want to break down on events. Yeah. Um, although, thank you for helping me those years ago when I did. <laughs> Indeed, uh, you know, remember that well. The uh, robot <laughs> failure that was uh, back up and running within 24 hours. It was. I don't remember whether you ever saw it, but there was a period afterwards where you could look on Google Maps mm -hmm. and there was an oil trail around. We still where see where they covered it over with the, uh, the cement dust. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. And we did speak about, um, you know, uh, support and help between competitors in the in the sprinting podcast. Um, mm -hmm. But yes, uh, I think w what happened was my gearbox decided to punch a big hole in the side and throw all the oil out. My few hundred pound Rover two one four. I think did I drive your car for the rest of the event? Did you let me drive your Rover? I think you might have done. I think I finished the event by by swapping into your car. Me kind of. Maybe I can't remember. Yeah. But I remember. I remember towing you home. You did. You towed me home, and then and then in, in a time before your marriage. Yeah. <laughs> You weren't doing anything the next day, and you had a spare gearbox in the shed. So you came around and fitted it, and absolutely right, within 24 hours of it breaking yeah. down, it was up and up and going again. Now that, that I, I call that exceptional help between competitors. Yeah, no, no, um, I mean, but the spirit I'm, of it is 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 very common. Yeah, I mean that's that's, that's, that's a, a, another good thing I like with you also. I mean, we all do help each other keep the cars going. If anybody does have a problem, you know, there, there's an army of people with tools to. Uh, to try and keep it going. Um, I mean, I'd I'd far rather um, beat somebody by outdriving them than you know, just their cars broken, really. So yeah, it's, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Keep, keep so no, in general, in general, um, damage is minimal. Of course, there'll be some tire wear. Of course, you'll burn some fuel. Yeah. Um, there was a reason, in a way, but we should explicitly talk about it. We didn't talk about the safety equipment that's required for auto solos, for the simple reason that there isn't any. No, just your, your, your standard your standard seatbelts and make sure your car's in good order. Yep. Um, and that is basically it. Um, to be absolutely to the letter of what you require, a little bit of yellow electrical tape on the earth lead, just to highlight that. So in the event that you know, a marshal's needed to disconnect your battery quickly, they ain't got to go hunting around looking for, for certain points. They can just go, that's what needs to be disconnected. Yes. Yes, um, documentation, we talked about the RS Clubman license, which people can apply for online and have downloaded directly to their phones because it's a digital license. Yeah. Um, club membership, um, actually, yeah, a good, a, a good hint to choose a local club that does auto solos. Um, there reckon to be about 60 clubs around the country that organise auto solos. Mm -hmm. uh, can be a little bit, there are pockets of strength and pockets where it's not quite so much, but it means about 10% of um, Motorsport UK recognised motor clubs actually organise auto solos. Mm. So it is one of the most common disciplines. Um, one of the techniques that um, you being here reminds me, Hayden, I used was I looked up um, the Cotswold Motorsport Group Championship, mm -hmm. it happened to be where I live, almost as presenting me with a calendar on a plate. Yeah. So wherever somebody lives, if you find a local championship, you might want to do the championship, you might not. Uh, but you can use that as a reference point to, as to where events might take place during the year. Yeah. Uh, and then also you can go on the Motorsport UK website, use find an event, um, and you can use the menu choices there to find an event. Yeah. Um, that will be that will be good. Um, we've talked about regulations, entering events, um, registering for them. So some clubs will... Um, I don't know what I don't know what the pattern is these days in in your knowledge. Are most people doing online 
it's um, yeah it's, it's yeah it's very much um the, the norm seems to be online entry in advance um typically clubs will announce uh when the entry system goes live so you'll, you'll get the regs out possibly a sort of week or so before you can actually enter um you know will give a, a very specific date and time and then you can uh, usually follow the link that's contained within the regulations and uh fill in the form online and uh, click submit and, and away you go. Yes, and sometimes that can be the first bit of the competition, can't it? Can be, depending on, on the event. Some are some are more popular than others. Um, you know, I have known some of those to fill up, you know, within a couple of hours, um, seeing a full entry on things. So it's uh, very much uh, can be a case of book early uh, to avoid disappointment, as they say. Yes, <laughs> an, an old saying, but yeah, it can be the it can be really, it can be, it, and it's difficult difficult to know without knowing the individual events, but it can mm. be a case of you need to be online on the mm. date and the time that entry is open. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's another, getting a place. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's another good, good reason for joining the championship because you'll then get the details of the events, you know, in advance. Um, so you, you've got the information ready. It's not going to be not be a surprise to you and you're not going to miss out so yes and would you say signing on for events how does that roughly split between signing on in advance online and doing it on paper on the day it seems to be um more clubs now do do the online signing on um it just saves saves the clubs a, a lot of time on the day really you know, everybody yes. everybody's done all the, the paperwork in advance and ready to go really so, yep. Brilliant. Anything, any, anything you think we've missed, Hayden, in painting a picture on autosellers? I think we've covered most things, to be honest. Um, as you look at the the future of autosellers, um, <laughs> how it's going to evolve. I think, like uh, John Boardman was saying with his, his comments, possibly the the timing systems might 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 continue to change, perhaps. Um, I think in essence, um, it works as uh, works really well as it is. Uh, yeah. um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It is yeah, you know, a it's, part of our sport. It, it's very popular, and it, it's nice to keep it in the format it is because it, it it just works. Um, yeah. if you start messing about with it too much and making it you know, too competitive, and you know putting the monies up for. You know, we don't want it to be. You've got to have some, you know, real trick car to be able to do it. You know, it should just be appeal to the masses. Yeah, so, absolutely, and that's where and that's where it fits in in Motorsport UK's um, street car yeah. initiative, where yeah, effectively yeah, they're promoting it's, cars. So we yeah. thank you again, Hayden. We'll say, we'll say cheerio to you. Thank you again, and um, hopefully people um, joining this podcast will um, will come along on. Hopefully some of them may have entered for Sunday the 22nd of October at the Shennington Kart Circuit um, or specifically to find out more about Oxford Motor Club you can go to oxfordmotorclub.co.uk um, So thank you very much and um, we'll say goodnight to you mm -hmm. and we're very close to saying goodnight to everybody else as well. Um, if anybody's got thoughts on future topics that they'd like to see covered um, for those um, live on youtube then there's still time to add those in the comments otherwise please email speed on screen at gmail.com um, thank you ever so much for watching and listening 
Um, please remember to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast um, and to the YouTube feeds. Um, in terms of what comes next, well, we're not really going through the alphabet, but uh, we think the letter T is likely to feature next time, um, either with Targa Rally or Trials, um, both of which have events coming up soon. So whilst it may be the end of the season or around the end of the season for some of the events that are mainly based in the summer, um, of course, various forms of rallies and trials take place um, throughout the winter. And we will bring you a further episode of Startline Stories very soon. So, yes, please like, like um, and uh, sign up for future things. We will put them on social media again and we look forward to seeing you soon. But for now, it's goodbye. Mm-hmm.